0: Obey His Word Then we walk again.
1: Friends, it's a rainy morning out there this morning, but that's not a bad thing. We can use the rain always, and uh, so we're thankful. We're thankful every day we we wake up. And uh, you know, I would say something. I, I I would be thankful on a morning if I didn't wake up. In the sense of, I mean, if I happen to pass, and I'm not trying to be morbid here, but you know, if I, if I pass during my sleep what a win. I mean, I would be with Jesus instantaneously uh, and would not be uh, on this sod anymore. I'd yeah, maybe feel badly for my wife or maybe feel gladly for my wife. I, I don't know. I could go a couple different ways, but you know, we, we sometimes we talk about, uh, we, we talk about, um, you know I able to sit up and take a little broth in the morning or you know it's a good day, I woke up or or people say, well I'm, at least I'm on this side of the grass uh or something of that nature, but for the Christian uh you know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, so I mean not such an all bad uh, proposition necessarily, and you know i I would rather go on my sleep, I think, but uh you know, no, I might say maybe not yet you might say maybe not yet of your own self but for the christian we we have the hope that you know whether we live or whether we die we 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 live with christ we die with christ and if we die with christ and we're alive with christ forever in his presence what what a what better thing could there be anyway so Good morning, and uh, just, just to kind of think about these things a little bit, to frame our lives around the central Christian truth of God with us, uh, to frame our lives around the central truth of eternal life together with, with Christ uh, when this life is o'er. And what a proposition, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to be thinking about. So uh, we are going to, I'm going to take you into Luke chapter eight. We're looking this morning at Jesus being rejected. And the thought for us is if he was rejected, so might we be rejected. Now we're not going to start out with a rejection piece, but we are going to look a little bit here, uh, right out of the gate at, uh, some of the people who were in the entourage with Jesus, those who are traveling with Jesus. Uh, you, as a listener, are traveling with Jesus. Uh, I'm trying to travel with Jesus. So Luke chapter 8, and this is kind of the beginning of where we now begin to see the public rejection of Jesus uh, begin to to raise its uh, ugly head. We've seen some of the uh, whisperings of this among the religious leaders, and now it begins to come out uh, even more uh, As we get into the passage, if I even get that far this morning, first starting in Luke 8, 1 through 3, uh, talking about those who were walking with Jesus. So Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, uh, allow me to read those for us. It says, after this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, the 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. (laughs) Excuse me, I had to go off for a moment and sneeze verse 8 uh, verse 3 Joanna the wife of Cuza the manager of Herod's household Susanna and many others these women were helping to support them out of their own means so just thinking about this Jesus traveled about from one town uh, and village to another proclaiming the good news i mean that that is something that we are called to do and uh, to take the good news. Some some are called to go other places and uh, take the good news to other places in that kind of a way. Church planters in particular, uh, those that maybe are called to a life of church planting. Uh, what is church planting? It is is where you go out and start new churches. Uh, and some are called to start a church and stay with that church for the rest of their life. Uh, some perhaps are called and gifted to Maybe they start that church, but within the DNA of that church, they start other churches. Uh, and I uh, think it's the big churches that do that. I, I know a church down in Texas that's, you know, 50, 60 people that started, I don't know, five or six other churches. And many of those churches are much, much larger than the mother church. But the Mother Church, that small church of people down in Texas, uh, would send out people and they would plant churches, and and some of those other churches are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, So we don't need to think about, well, I, I don't, you know, we're not big enough, we don't have all the strength, we don't have, no, we have the mission, the gospel mission, and so we see Jesus traveling from one town to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The twelve were with him, and sometimes I think of here we are in Maine, where where I reside, and there are some small little towns that, that don't have much for a church. And you know, what if we were to figure out ways to get out into those churches and participate or revitalize those churches or places where there isn't a good church that maybe you it would be necessary. To start another church because the church that's there just is not going to revitalize. It, it it's dug its feet into the ground, and has said, "I'm I'm not going to. We're not. No, mm-mm. we don't want to hear that. Too much of that Jesus stuff. Give us just a little bit of inspiration, some inspirational message, and some inspirational music, and Aunt Matilda's pie, and we'll be happy." And uh, you know, maybe a little chicken barbecue or something like that and And that's all good. Well, that's not the mission focus. Jesus says luke eight one says they traveled from one town to another. If we go back to Mark chapter one verse what is it thirty eight or thirty nine Jesus said, "No, I have to go other places to preach because that is why I have come." the idea that, uh, of the gospel going the gospel traveling the gospel needing to penetrate other places and and for for us even within our own church here to say how do we get to that point where we multiply like that we're we're not in the place of our greatest strength i mean we're not in the place of our greatest weakness either uh, we've we've been stronger along the way but you know strength really is not relative to your financial position as much as it's relative to your spiritual position. And uh, when, when we are strong in Christ, uh, even though the earthly resources may, may seem d- diminished, we have all that we need in Christ. And to remember that and to think that and to live that way and to believe that way all this coming out of it, and some mornings, friends, as I get started, I I, I think I know where I'm going to head with something, and all of a sudden, I go a little bit different direction based on what I'm seeing in the text and, and uh, things that I'm thinking about. So back to the text, it says this, after this, Jesus traveled from one town to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. What towns are around us? where you live, what towns are around you. I mean, I could point out to Montville. I could point out to uh, Thorndike. I could point point out to Searsmont. I could point out to uh, Liberty. I could point out to Belmont. Um, I don't think that there is a church in Belmont. Now, Belmont isn't a Necessarily a big area, uh, you know, but I don't think there's a church there. Uh, I'm trying to think of a church in Belmont. Now, what about your area, wherever you live? I mean, if you live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, you are surrounded by a, a, a dearth of churches. Uh, and, uh, you might live in a place where it, it takes miles and, miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of people to make up a population. Um, what's the church like there? Uh, you might live in a place, you know, some places have lots of churches, but the question is, are, are they churches that proclaim the gospel? Are they, are they churches that proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and uh, the, the necessity of salvation through Christ? Uh, that's what we need is, is salvation through Christ. I, I attended a church as a, as a little kid that didn't proclaim the, the necessity of faith in Jesus go through the religious practices, be a decent person, go to church, and you'll be saved. That is not the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that we must surrender to Christ. We must place faith in Christ. John 1.12, for as many as receive him, even to those who believe on his name, he has given them the right to be called children of God. That is how we come to faith you must be born again, John chapter 3, uh, 1 John chapter 5. He who has the Son has life. He who does not, is the Son of God, does not have life. Um, Romans six twenty three. The wages, of sin is death. the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, that, that gift received by faith. That is the good news of the kingdom. So let me press on from that, from that little bit uh, uh, of a sideline uh, about church planting, uh, and I want to encourage you. Some of you may be approached by a young couple who are going to prepare for church planting. Support them you know i i i sit here in on in, in my perch thinking about you know we're we're a little bit diminished at this point but yet i'm going to tell you to support that couple uh that that's what i'm going to tell you uh because we need to invest in the multiplication of the church when we focus on the mission of Christ and we focus on living the Christian life as as in fact Christ has called us to live the Christian life and to make his priorities our priorities, things will begin to line up. Now, I know some of you are in situations that you might have a home where, where you're misaligned spiritually. I, I understand that. Uh, some of you might live in a home where where there isn't somebody else to be misaligned with, let me tell you a little secret, those of you who are in that situation. Now, you say, yeah, Pastor Jim, easy for you to say. You've got Wendy Joe." Yes, I do have Wendy Joe, But I would also tell you that, you know, if something were to happen to her, I I don't know if I would remarry. Now, I, I love marriage. I love my wife. I, I do. But I also love what I do. When Jesus says, "I have food to eat that you know not of," my food is to do the will of the Father. Uh, I understand what Jesus is saying, and and Wendy and I are very aligned on on our spiritual uh, plane. We're, we're all good there. You know, we we met with this young couple on uh, Sunday night, and and have made our commitment to them uh, financially, prayerfully. Uh, and to uh, help whatever way we can, uh, we're, we're very aligned in, in those ways. And if you are in a situation where you're misaligned with your spouse, you just keep living for Jesus the best that you can in the situation that you're in. if you are alone, you have an opportunity where you don't have to report in. Uh, now, you again, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, in, uh, not in, uncompassionate. What's the word? Uncompassionate. Uh, but uh, First Corinthians chapter seven talks about those who are, who are who are not married, and the prerogative you have of you can live for Christ all the time and don't have to worry about checking in. I mean, it's there. Go read First Corinthians seven. It is there. Some have the gift of singleness. Some do not have the gift of singleness. I, I get that. I understand that. I, I I understand the loneliness factor. I I pray for people who who feel that loneliness. But I just want to put a different twist on it uh from a biblical vantage point another another biblical vantage point is the vantage point of you have the prerogative of service to Christ because you are not you're not thinking about what pink colors uh, would make my spouse happy or uh what how, how can I redo these lights to make my wife happy or uh how can I uh do x y or z to make my wife happy or my husband happy or You have a prerogative right now of being able to follow Christ in an unrestricted fashion. Live into it. Live it up. So let me me go a little further here uh, and point out some of these women. It says the 12 were with him uh, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out. Wow! Think about this. Seven demons had come out of this woman. There's the twelve, and we we know the twelve. We think of the twelve disciples. We think of the twelve apostles. We think of uh, of of all those uh, those people. Um, so the twelve are with him, but then also some women who had been cured of evil spirits. And it, it lists a few of them. It lists Mary Magdalene. Verse three says, "Joanna, the wife of Cuza, the manager of Herod's household." So there's two women who are listed. Note, note where she lived. She was the wife of Cusa, the manage, manager of Herod's household. Herod's, Herod was the governing official. And then there is Susanna. And then it says, and many others. And notice what it says of these women. These women were helping to support them, to support the 12 out of their own means. Now, it is highly likely that some of these women began to follow the entourage. They were, uh, they were the roadies, if you will. Uh, they were the ones who uh, were, were traveled with the band. Uh, they, they were there, and it wasn't like they were looking at Jesus and the 12 like rock stars necessarily, although when you think of what happened with Mary Magdalene in her life, um, it's pretty amazing to be cured of these evil spirits, to to have seven demons come out of her. You know, you think about schizophrenia, you think of uh, some of the the mental illnesses, and and this is a spiritual illness uh, where she was possessed of demons, controlled by demons, oppressed by demons, depressed by demons, deluded by demons, all of these things done to her, Uh, She was likely, many think perhaps a a woman of the night, Um, but she was delivered. And when you think of what she was, that of which she she was delivered, uh, she absolutely had love for Christ. Who wouldn't want to follow around somebody who radically changes your life as does Jesus? She she her life was radically changed. She is the one that many believe is the one who would wipe the feet of Jesus with her tears and would anoint his feet with oil. Uh, some some believe that that was her, uh, and, and you can see why. Who uh, whom much is forgiven, loves much, and she was forgiven of so much, and so she loved much, and so she would be a part of the entourage, perhaps following Jesus around. Then there's Joe, and you think about what that meant to Jesus. I mean, people looking at Jesus and going, <clears throat> don't you know what type of a woman she is? Yeah, I know what type of woman she is, and I, I also know that I've changed her life, and she has been made pure, she has been made clean, she has been made forgiven, she has been made new. That's why she follows me, but yet, yet we, you can just imagine some of the people in the, in the crowd going, But she's a hooker. You know, she's a whore. You just hear people say that. And yet, if in fact that was her background, and yet Jesus came to change life. He's not looking at us in our past situation. He is looking at us through the eyes of what he can do in us and how he can change us and how he can revolutionize our lives, what he can do in those kinds of ways. So there's Mary Magdalene. There's Joanna, the wife of Cusa. We 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 know very little about Joanna, for at least from this passage, and I I don't remember many many if any other passages that say anything about her other than she uh, that. Uh, she was the wife of kuza, the one who managed Herod's household. That's all we know. She she had uh, she had political a uh, political background, or, or her husband was in the sphere of serving the person in public service, if you want to call uh, uh, tyrannical leadership public service, uh, political realm, uh, governmental realm, those types of things. Joanna was the wife of of, of this person. So so to think about the gospel penetrating into a household, something that got that close to Herod, absolutely phenomenal. Then there was Susanna, and it says, then there were many others. And notice what it says of these women. And and I I want to just say one other thing about the women here. Uh, What I want to say about the women is is the fact that um, What I want to say about the women is the fact that oftentimes in that culture, women are are kind of diminished. Uh, Women are thought to have held, you know, really this second-class citizen status. It was the men. And yet here we read in the Bible, we read about women. The culture of the day would have diminished women, but the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible lifts up women. The Bible makes note of these women. Uh, and in our day, you know, now some of you have heard me preach uh, about, you know, what does the Bible say about men and women's relationship and women's leadership in the church and so on and so forth? Can I just suggest you that if we would live in the roles and the ways that God has intended for us to live and live for the gospel and live for Christ, that we will be content? Um. Because some would say, "Well, you know, you're you're really against women." No, I'm not against women. I'm, I'm you know, and, and I can look at it and go, "Well, I, I, you know, I I know the uh, what looks like is a good thing, but it's not." I, let me give you an example. Um, I one of my uh, roles that I serve is, is in uh, as a civilian serving Army families. Uh, and um, one of the things, one of the areas particularly with Army Rangers, and one of the things, uh, or those becoming Rangers, Bing's a part of that as well. See, my brother Bing here this morning. Uh, and, you know, w- women have been going through Ranger school and, and accomplishing that. Uh, and yet, when you look at what culture is doing, it's like we we have to degenderize everything. And yet, at the same time, we want to celebrate women's accomplishments, or we want to deracialize everything. And yet, what are we doing? We are uh, making all these issues of race. Uh, we can't have it both ways. And, and you know, to celebrate women's accomplishments, absolutely. But yet, in our culture, we, we we've gotten sideways on that. And it's like, don't we understand? It's like uh, I remember a conversation. It's it's like, well, we just need to, you know, not talk about whether they're men or whether they're women. They're just soldiers, period. Then how can we celebrate women's accomplishments? You see what I'm saying? I mean, culture is a little bit twisted up, and and doesn't even see how twisted up it is. Now let me come back to to the Bible and, and and just just the idea that the Bible espouses the greatness of women. And we read it here in Luke chapter 8. You'll read it throughout the Gospels, the women that accompanied Jesus and they served Jesus and the things that they did uh, along in the entourage together with Jesus. And we'll read it in, in the books of uh, uh, the writings of the Apostle Paul as well, where um, Paul will talk about all these women and their support of the ministry. And in fact, the first person to proclaim the gospel post-resurrection was a woman. Uh, Mary was the first one probably this Mary or maybe Mary the mother of Jesus one of the Marys Uh, I'm rethinking that probably most likely Mary the mother of Jesus Uh, but but they were there both of them there and, and hearing and proclaiming the gospel the Bible makes much of that and so there's not a diminished role we're all lifted up into a spectacular wonderful place now the verse, in verse 3, I, I just want to point out something to you. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the, the, the manager of Herod's household, we've read that. Susanna, many others, we've read that. And then where it says, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. So some of you are, uh, are women. Many of you are women. Uh, and if you're not a woman, then that just simply means you're not a woman because you're a man. How's that? I oh wait. Bing is saying he's in France. Well, Bing, enjoy you and Miriam, enjoy your your trip over there. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be out of the country in another place. Blessings to you, dear brother, as you are over in France. Those that are listening later on, you're saying, what are you talking about? I'm looking at the live comments. Uh, that that's what you're hearing. Sometimes you, you, it's the live, the comments that are being posted while this broadcast is live. Enjoy that. Blessings to you. Um, now I maybe forget what I was going to say. The women were supporting. Some of you are, are women who uh, own businesses. Some of you are women who uh, work, uh, you know, working jobs. Some of you are are immensely resourceful and frugal, um, but to think of the women who were supporting them out of their own means. Now, someone asked me the question the other day, uh, and I'm just going to let you into a little thing. Maybe I shouldn't do this publicly, but you know, I I, I mentioned something the other day about uh, tent making uh, and the idea of some of the things that I believe God's calling me to more broadly. Uh, You know, I've got to figure out how to fund all of that. And uh, uh, so tent making might be part of the answer in that. And that doesn't mean I'm going to become a seamstress. I don't think I would like that none too much. It's not my makeup. Um, And for the record, I don't wear makeup. But but to find another revenue stream to help support uh, the things that that I think God is calling me particularly to do, and uh, that, that go beyond the church, maybe go beyond the school. Uh, there there is the need of of larger impact here in the state of Maine, uh, and uh, uh, the sense of of God uniquely poising me to be able to do some of that. And it just requires support. In, in fact, beyond that, uh, I have now started coaching a group of pastors uh, in South Sudan. And uh, every Thursday morning, uh, coaching a group of pastors in South Sudan. Well, if I want to go there, it's gonna it's gonna cost money. So I'm just saying this. These women were helping to support. It says right here they were helping to support them out of their own means, and and that might be something you would think about. It, it could be you know supporting your local church wherever that is, if that is a veracity. Uh, then then by all means please support the work of veracity that that's one of the we we need to see that happen we need lots of candy for trunk or treat uh, maybe you say i can't go buy a bunch of candy but maybe you'd say hey uh, here's a thousand bucks uh go buy candy uh okay we'll take the van and load the thing right up uh and we're praying some some are praying for three or four hundred at trunk or treat well that's that's only half of what we had last year and Years before that, that half is only half of the number we had the years prior to COVID. So, you know, your support, uh, whether it's through Vrassey Chapel or whatever your local church is, I encourage you to support your local church. Uh, But you might support uh, this young couple. Uh, Some of you know whom I'm talking about, Caleb and Kayla. I encourage that support. Uh, Or uh, other ministries you might support, Neighborhood House you might support, or uh, Fairhaven camps, you might support, or the Bible College, you might support. Those are all local to us right here, uh, where we are located. And so these women were helping to support them out of their own means. What did they do? I, you know, I'm gonna have to change the title of the broadcast because uh we're not talking about rejection this morning like I thought we might get to. I've ended up taking three verses and spending an entire uh, almost half hour on these three verses so far. Um, Here, here's some takeaways. And again, I want to, I want to come back to something I've suggested a few times uh, along the way. Uh, If you were to take something from today to chew on, what would it be? I, I would encourage you maybe get yourself a little, a little, a little notebook. My little notebook that I have is in my vehicle. I think I got a little notebook and you could every day in your little notebook write down here's my here's what I'm chewing on today out of the morning broadcast uh out of the morning study of God's word uh, or here's what I would share with somebody else i mean you might be a woman who might come alongside other women and cheer them on you might be a woman who would come along other side uh, alongside of other women and and, and, and encourage them and and support them and challenge them and inspire them and be a model for them. And some of you I know do that. Many of you do that, in fact. And and I thank God for, for what you do in that kind of a way. So to think about, okay, uh, verse 1 talked about them traveling from town to town, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. I talked about church planting. Uh, how would that factor? And is that something that resonates in your heart? If we were to figure out a way to go over to Thorndike, and, and I know Thor- you think Thorndike? Why Thorndike? It's a little tiny, dinky little town. Uh, well, maybe it, it needs a revitalized church in that tiny little dinky town, and it might not ever be some mega church. It might be a healthy church of 50 people who love each other and who pray together and who listen to God's word together and who worship together and who uh, do community outreach together. And you know what, if, if, if it's a church of 50 people or 30 people and they're healthy and vibrant and doing those things, hallelujah, praise God. So maybe the, this, this idea of church planting resonates within you. Ask God, what am I to do with that? You might be a person today who is just coming at this, In verse 2, it talked about some of the women, specifically, verse 2 talked about Mary Magdalene and how she was delivered from her situation, and you might be thinking, hmm, I just need to worship Christ for all that he has done for me, and you start rehearsing all the things, and you make that list of all the things that Christ has done for you, and you worship him today because of that. So... Some women were cured of their evil spirits, diseases, Mary called Magdalene. Just verse 2. I mean, just to rejoice in what Christ has done for you. Christ has done so much for me. Christ continues to do so much for me. And uh, I'm sinful, and I have my foibles and my faults and and my weaknesses that I continue to battle and struggle with. And some things I will probably take to the grave as struggles with me. But yet Christ has done so much for me, so I I would worship him. And then then to think about in verse 3. Uh, verse 3, where it, it talked about how they supported uh, the ministry out of their own means. I think about, you know, is that something that God is He's knocking on the door of your heart and saying, do do more to support, you know. Uh, I, I've talked about it. I've hedged on it. I'm still trying to figure some things out, whether I create another 501c3 or partner up with a group that's already a 501c3 Uh that's doing the types of things that that I have the sense of calling to, and and uh, uh, in essence, be a missionary through that group. Um, those are some things I'm looking at, uh, uh, and still doing the things that I'm doing, like right now, sitting in this office. But but there are other things that uh, you know are going to require uh, that support, Caleb and Kayla. I, I talk about them. I, maybe they would wish I didn't, but I am, and I will because I will champion for them. I will cheerlead for them uh, and encourage you to support them or other ministries that you might be supporting. Uh, Romania is, is an example. Uh, or uh, disaster relief in Florida might be an area where, where you give that support. It's all needed. Uh, and uh, But you look at this entourage, verses 1 through 3, Luke chapter 8, Uh, to me, I I don't know about you, Uh, my my heart has been revved right up reading these three verses to think about all the implications, to think about all the applications, and to think about what is God calling me to, what is God calling you to. So anyway, friends, uh, I want to uh, stop there, and uh, i uh, want to get you into your day. I, uh, my prayer is that you've been stimulated. My prayer is that you've had something given to you uh, that you can be thinking about, munching on, uh, chewing on throughout the day. Uh, it's my prayer that I've given something to you that, that you can take and make practical application of uh, in your life. Lord, help us to accompany you. Uh, the subtitle of this said, uh, Women Accompanying Jesus. Well, we'll just say Accompanying Jesus. Lord, I pray that each of us would accompany you in what you're doing, wherever that is. If that's in France, then may it be in France. If it's in Dallas, Texas, may it be in Dallas, Texas. If it's in Hawaii, may it be Hawaii. If it's in California, A, may it be in California, If it's in Virginia, may it be in Virginia. If it's in Pennsylvania, Lord, wherever we live. If it's in Kenya, wherever. Lord, help us to live for you. Help us to accompany you on the mission that you are on. And I believe, Lord, that as we do that, we will be fortified, we will be filled, we will be overjoyed. So we look to you. Help us to walk with you. Lord, we remember today those who suffer uh, through the devastation of uh, Hurricane Ian, Lord, uh, hear our prayer in their behalf for, for mercy and for help and for aid and for comfort and for support and for provision, all that they need. Those in Ukraine, as this war continues, Lord, we pray that you would end the war. We pray for those that have lost so much. Lord, would you, would you comfort them? Would you heal them? Would In the midst of sorrow and loss and tragedy, would you do something truly miraculous that would be good for those people and bring glory to your name? Lord, hear our prayer today as we seek to glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a great day. I will see you again tomorrow.